Sam. Yeah, Don? What's the word? Pickle. That sounds rather permanent. Well, yeah. Once you've pickled yourself, you can never turn back into a cucumber. Where'd you hear that? I I heard heard it through the grapevine. Welcome. It's the AA Grapevine Half Hour Variety Hour, featuring the collective voices of Alcoholics Anonymous. I'm Don, an alcoholic in Greensboro, North Carolina. Hey, Don. Hey, everybody. I'm Sam, an alcoholic in Palm Springs, California. Sam, I don't know much about history. I don't know much about biology, but I do know one and one is two. And I know that if you love me to, oh, wait, that's not what I'm talking about. Well, actually, we are. I mean, love and tolerance, love and service, you know. Well, I know I'm a drunk and so are you. Well, now that's true. That's where I was going. And I do know that that is true. (laughs) Does the history of AA mean anything to you, Sam? Are you one of those present moment, one day at a time people and don't want to even hear about it? I guess I'm probably centered towards liking the history of it. I am not nearly as much the AA history nerd that you are, Don, (laughs) but I do like knowing about it. And and it's something that I've participated in uh, some study groups over the years that have done it. And you learn a lot doing a general service study where we study that super secret service manual. That's not history. (laughs) There's history. That's how it works right now. There's history all in the discussion of it, though. I'm talking about Dr. Bob and the good old timers, or AA comes of age. Oh, you're right. That's why it's interesting, because there's history in the way it all developed. Where did the serenity prayer come from? You know, where do these expressions come from? Like, uh, what's a cold, small beer? That came from a doggerel on a tombstone, I'll tell you. (laughs) Or uh, one day at a time. This stuff has been passed down forever. And where it actually came from is interesting. I went to Akron and got to go to uh, St. Thomas Hospital. There's a shrine there. They made a a chapel. A shrine? Yeah, no, 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 no. A chapel. They made a chapel. I was in there with two of my buddies who I've known as long as I've been sober. There were photos and things like that. All of a sudden, all three of us looked up and kind of met eyes and we all had tears in our eyes Mm. because we could feel the presence of Dr. Bob and Sister Ignatia. It was like I could feel them there. And Mm. it wasn't just me. My two friends could have it, too. So from that point on. It's been a big deal for me to understand the history. I can appreciate that. I feel connected that. to it. I got to go to the uh, the general service office in New York and went through their small archive display and experienced some of the same things that you're talking about in that situation. I, I get what you're talking about. Yeah. Well, today we're visiting with Tom C., who happens to be a docent at our co-founder, Dr. Bob's House in Akron, Ohio. He has an article in the August 2022 issue of the Grapevine magazine. There's lots of good stories in there. I used to love to travel because I could drink without my wife watching me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I would fill up the sink with ice and a 12-pack, and I was happy as could be until the next morning. Well, there's an article, Laura Lee in Let's Go talks about 
traveling sober, and being able to remember all the fun. That's a cool part of sober travel. Yeah. In Service at Sea, Martha M. tells her story of helping to make AA happen on a cruise ship just by showing up. I love the monthly section, If Walls Could Talk. The photos spread of AA meeting spaces from all over the world. Oh, yeah. They're always empty, you know, just chairs and tables and maybe the steps on the wall or something like that. But you can feel all the people who are just about to show up in the space. And I I just love looking at those. Well, this month, they're not empty. There's people in there. (laughs) They're hiding their faces behind their group's I heart happy hour mugs. (laughs) It's a great photo. You know, I had a blast when I was traveling, taking pictures of the meeting spaces. And it's a fun trip down memory lane of all the places I've gotten to go to AA. You ought to send some of those to the grapevine, Sam. They're over a decade old at this point, maybe. Beautiful space. (laughs) Folks, you can get all that and more by subscribing to The Grapevine at aagrapevine.org. This morning, I took an issue of The Grapevine to the men's meeting. I, I felt compelled to for some reason. We've just started meeting in person again, and we don't have the steps printed out. And I thought, you know, maybe, well, I could take it so I could read the steps or the traditions, because that's always mm-hmm. printed in the back. I was like, well, that's silly. I don't need to take them. Well, I've, I took it anyway. Well, there was a newcomer there. It was his very first meeting. So I wrote my name down in the front of him going, I brought this to give it to him. This is the reason I was very led cool. to bring it. I love that. And I love that you mentioned that the steps and traditions are in it because, I mean, the the grapevine is our meeting in print. So take a grapevine and you've got a meeting in your hand. It can be just you and the grapevine or it can be you and other folks. Um, it's, It's really convenient. It's got the preamble in the front. That's right. It's got our meeting tools. Sure enough. Grapevine does not accept donations, but you can offer your support by making a purchase at store.aagrapevine.org or by the Carry the Message gift certificates to sponsor Grapevine subscriptions for alcoholics in need. That's store.aagrapevine.org. Order a copy of the new book, Fun in Sobriety, and join us August 22nd for a group discussion. Participate by calling 212-870-3418 with your reflections on fun and sobriety, and we may play it on the show. That's 212-870-3418. Hello, guys. I'm Tom Aholic. And I live in Cleveland, Ohio. Cleveland? There's some history in Cleveland. (laughs) Yeah, I love it here. I really do. I was born and raised in Los Angeles. Moved to Ohio about five years ago. It was a difficult transition. Did you do it sober? I did. (laughs) You got sober in LA? Yes, I got sober, uh, well, at Presbyterian Hospital in Whittier, California. Traveled a lot in sobriety got married, had three kids, and then we decided to move to Ohio to be around the the extended family. You got sober in the hospital? Yes. What does that mean? What was going on with you? (laughs) I was a mess. I was, you know, talk about all scorecards at zero. (laughs) I did not want to quit. (laughs) Did not want to quit. It didn't look like the answer to me at the time. 
I was driving around in my 1977 Nova with dents on every quarter panel and fender. And I had uh, trouble with the law. I had warrants out for my arrest. And then, and then I had trouble at work too. And, and I got a little phone number from the assistant administrator that I was working for. So I called the number. I've never forgotten the number either. It was 818-698-0811. Because that was a hard phone call for me to make. <laughs> and when I made it, they said, oh, come on in. We'd love to see you. After a couple of tries, I finally trundled into the hospital. That was 1989. So it was an alcohol treatment program there. It was. You know, it was a four-week inpatient program. So it was a, it was a Cadillac program. It was really great. Now, did they have any members of Alcoholics Anonymous come and, and talk with you during the time you were there? They did. AA had a panel on Wednesdays, and then they also took us out in the hospital van on, uh, <laughs> <laughs> on the weekends to, to visit area meetings. We got a full exposure to AANACA. Yeah, that was my beginning. <laughs> Gosh, I remember uh, one of the treatment centers when they would bring their guests to the meeting. They lovingly called that the druggy buggy. <laughs> Tom, when you got out, did you have problems staying sober? Did you jump right into AA and found that it was easy as pie? What was the, what happened to you? Well, I'd say it was a big disappointment when I finally got out of detox and they uh, handed me a stack of books. You know, they gave me a big book at 12 and 12, uh, a little book called Living Sober yeah. uh, and uh, a meditations book, Hazelden. And I got to say, I was some kind of medical answer to my problem because there were doctors and nurses there telling me that they, they could help me. And yet here they were plying me with this literature that I considered highly suspect. Yes. I was no stranger to AA due to my drunk driving. <laughs> I thought I had already exhausted that resource and found it wanting. I thought it was all really old fashioned. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sure. You know, the, you know, the references to John Barleycorn and, uh, and the Jay Walker analogy, you know, it didn't take a scholar of English literature to determine that the level of writing was at about the fifth grade or so. Uh, yeah, I, I was not impressed, but I was also out of answers. So I was just begrudgingly willing to listen to what they had to say. And of course, Aye. I started to feel better right away physically. And then something happened that, that was a mystery to me. I had this most powerful spiritual experience in the hospital where I had, I had set up around my bed, all the cushions from the uh, surrounding couches in the area to create a blockade around my bed so that nobody could see in and I couldn't see out, you know, a <laughs> wow. flimsy fortress of cushions. Nobody corrected me or told me I couldn't do that. You know, they were semi-private rooms, and I don't even know who I was guarding against. There was no one else in my room at that point. Yeah, <laughs> still <it> makes sense. <laughs> and at night, I just had this most amazing experience, a feeling that just came through my body and course from head to toe. It wasn't a voice, but it was like a voice telling me everything was going to be all right. I was going to be okay. And <sighs> From that moment on in treatment, I just, I was a little soldier 
for sobriety after that till a couple of weeks when I was able to completely discount that experience as being oh okay yeah yeah just why uh, do we have to do that (laughs) well I just attributed it to uh some sort of uh chemical imbalance that was happening in my body as a result of the same thing happened to me Tom and two weeks later I'm going that was just that was not real (laughs) I just wanted to discount it but it was real Mm -hmm. it's a mystery but it's one that the ego doesn't appreciate very much. Yeah, that's what it is. So, Tom, tell me, uh, when you got out of that hospital, what did you do? So I fell in with this group of my fellow patients. <laughs> I mean, they were disgorging hundreds of patients around that time from the treatment center at probably about 30 a month. So there were a lot of newcomers rolling around Whittier, just batch crazy. Uh, just and we hung out together. You know, we went bowling, midnight bowling, and oh, yeah. went to movies. We went to we went to I went to AACANA. I went to all the, the anonymous programs for a while. I was going to CODA and a couple other meetings. It took about three or four years for me to settle down and realize that you know I'm primarily an alcoholic. My binges began and ended with alcohol, and I think it's mm. it's the same twelve steps wherever you choose to land. I believe you know is is what matters. It, I had to pick some place to be because I, yeah. I was very peripatetic by nature. I could never sit still for longer than 30 seconds. So it was important for me to sit still, find a home group and start to recover. Yeah. You know, I had two sponsors early on. Oh, and, me too. And at one point I was going, you know, I think I need to just settle on one person <laughs> because this idea of jumping all around was a way to keep from committing. And I could feel that in myself. Well, not to mention, you know, answer shopping. Yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Play one off the other. (laughs) I went to Alcoholics Anonymous when I first got sober because alcohol is what totally kicked my butt. And years later, I went through a reset and I, I joined another anonymous fellowship for a while that I absolutely love. And I credit them as saving what AA gave me. And now I'm fully immersed in AA again. But one of the things that I heard from someone in that fellowship that just really struck me today, I can go to any 12 step recovery fellowship and I can hear strength and hope, but I needed to go to AA to hear my experience so that I could relate, particularly in those early days. And that just really struck me that. We've got all these wonderful 12-step programs out there, but there are focuses within them. Other things are part of my story. AA, alcohol is my thing. Yeah, Sam, I remember being stuck at my parents' place without any literature one day and, and not feeling too good early in my sobriety and couldn't believe it. I found an OA book on the shelf that I guess my mom got somewhere. Uh-huh. And, uh, and I popped it open and it did the trick. It was what I needed to read. And I identified even though I was then a svelte 140 and didn't have any yeah. overeating problems at all, but I still identified with the feelings. Tom, what do you do today to stay sober? Can you think of something that's happened to you where you have used the program recently to get you through it? <laughs> no. What I do today is I don't get through anything. I am in it. I am in it 100% in a way that I haven't been in a long time. And it's taken hitting bottom in sobriety many times. 
to finally, fully, completely surrender every day, every morning, every hour if I have to. And to know, to know at the deepest level that I'm an alcoholic and that there's no cure for that. So either I put my trust in God and turn my will and my life over to God on a daily basis, on an hourly or however basis, or I'm asking and answering my own questions, in which case I'm putting alcoholism in charge. Mm-hmm. It's one or the other. And I know this more now than I ever have. If I can do that, if I can effectively immerse myself in trusting my higher power, I get to really, really, really love life. Just enjoy every moment, you know? I mean, I got a sponsor now, and I don't know how he does it. It's a mystery to me. But he doesn't get angry. I mean, the guy is the most spiritual man I have ever come across. And yet he's very modest. I just am pleased as punch that the steps work as well as they do and that you can't wear them out. You cannot wear out our steps. Here's the measure. I used to hate it when I heard people say this. I love my life in Alcoholics Anonymous. I hated people because I hated anybody that could be happy with what I perceived as reality. How can... Yeah. There must be something wrong with them if they can be happy in this world. Yeah, they're not being realistic. Exactly. I must admit, I was in a similar position as you whenever I was early in recovery. And it just, it was not normal. I mean, what's wrong with you people? Yeah, I went to a meeting at the beach. As far as I was concerned, everybody there was ancient and they were younger than I am now. (laughs) (laughs) But there was this old lady sitting up there. She was so grateful for her life. And she, (laughs) she said... Everything just gets better and better and better. And I was sitting there going, I wanted to drink so bad that my skin was coming off. And that made no sense to me whatsoever. I know, right? You run across enough of those people and you just think, man, they've really had the Kool-Aid. They're drinking something else today, right? (laughs) But the truth of the matter was that she had a way of living a dependence on a higher power. And it's been true for me in the face of no matter what difficulty, I know I will be able to be okay with whatever happens if I continue to surrender and ask God for help. It's that uh, another one of those phrases I heard early on that was just really suspect. I'm grateful I'm an alcoholic. Yeah. That's just not normal speak, is it? <laughs> no, and, and I, what's paradoxical about it, too, is that I needed alcohol because it was my solution mm-hmm. for so long. After having learned how to apply these steps in my life, a problem that I needed alcohol to address has been removed. So there is no longer a need for alcohol. And what's paradoxical is that I only called myself an alcoholic after I stopped drinking. <laughs> It's weird. Well, Tom, so you are a docent at Dr. Bob's house. Yes, I am. Tell us something about that that's striking. Well, I mean, there are some people that like to talk. I mean, you two might perhaps identify a little bit, you know. (laughs) There's some of us that love to talk, and I love to talk. And I love it when I have something to talk about. And if I have something to talk about that I'm passionate about, and it's not myself, well, then it's a win-win. And if I'm doing 12-step work at the same time, well, then it's a triple play. 
So I just love giving tours at the house. The only thing that I have a problem with is I get caught up in the moment and it's like, it's very difficult for me to rein in the, the desire to spin and yarn. So I try to stick to the facts. And here's the thing. The facts are amazing enough that you don't really have to exaggerate to tell a story that's compelling and miraculous about the birthplace of Alcoholics Anonymous. What's a story about the birthplace of Alcoholics Anonymous? Sandy Beach talked about Bill W.'s singularity, the experience that he had in Towns Hospital, where he saw the God of the preachers and stayed sober from that moment on, never to drink again. And that was in December of 1934, six months past. Why do we call June 10th the birth of Alcoholics Anonymous? And it's because between December 1934 and June 10th, 1935, Bill wasn't able to get anyone sober in New York. It took a trip to Akron for him to finally figure out the final piece. What happened in Towns Hospital, Bill had his white light experience started trying to get alcoholics sober, but he was not successful. And at the same time, he was not doing well. He was sober, but he was not making any money. He was still depending on his wife's slender salary. So he formed a group to buy a rubber tool making company in Akron. Back then it was called a proxy fight. What we call that now is a hostile takeover. Mm -hmm. They were just going to take over this company. And then Bill was going to make himself the president since he was going to be in Akron with a rubber tool making company in the rubber business. I mean, how much better could it be? All the big three are in Akron, Goodyear, Goodrich, Fires, a couple other big tire companies. So it was a sure thing. You know, unfortunately, it wasn't so sure because they found out that the tool making company had decided to go with a Midwestern firm and these Yankees were left out of luck. And Bill even suggested that later on, he thought it was because they were Yankees. So anyway, there he was at the Mayflower Hotel with 10 bucks in his pocket. No business in an unfriendly town that he had never been in before and no prospects. And he started to talk to himself and he was saying, well, maybe I can scare up an acquaintance in the bar here and make some kind of business happen. He recognized that he was on thin ice. And at that moment, he remembered something that Lois had told him. In spite of all his complaints about having not been able to get anyone sober, she said, well, Bill, you stayed sober. And it was that thought that brought him to the payphone. And so he looked up this guy in the Oxford group, and it was a guy named Tunks. And he put in a call. And Tunks was just leaving town. And he said so. But here's a few numbers that you can call if you want to get a hold of someone in the Oxford group here in Akron. And Bill exhausted those numbers and finally spoke with Henrietta Cyberlin at the end of the list. And she said, well, we have been expecting your call. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, because they had asked for guidance. They had asked for guidance for Dr. Bob. At a special meeting of the Oscar group a few weeks before, they were trying to get Bob to admit Tom with alcohol so that they could pray for him and get help for him. And so they had a special meeting where they all had something very dear to themselves that they saw as a personal failing in order to inspire the doctor to confess. And guess what? It worked. It, they all went around the room. And when it got to Bob's turn, he said, well, I have to admit that I'm a secret drinker and I have been for a long time. Well, it wasn't a secret. They, they knew it. <laughs> they knew it. <laughs> It's like the first episode of Intervention. (laughs) Right? (laughs) So they all got in a circle and they said a prayer 
for Dr. Bob for divine intervention. And then a couple of weeks later, here comes Bill. And he's just calling out of the blue saying, I'm a rum hound from New York. And I'm looking for other Oxford groupers that might be alcoholics that I can help. Now, what do you think about that? That meeting is the beginning of AA. That's right. Hey, Tom, I could listen to stories, these extra little tidbits. We could just go on and on, but we don't have time. But I do have one more thing that Don has asked me to subject you to. <laughs> So Don has this mean streak, I mean, loving streak in him that he loves the big book and obscure references in it. And we have this feature that we do on the show from time to time called Stump the Thumpers, where he puts these questions together about these obscure references within our literature. And he's pulled one of those questions to pose to you. Okay. And it's from Dr. Bob's story. So I thought it would be very appropriate. Dr. Bob hid his liquor bottles in many places. Dr. Bob did not hide bottles where, and I'm going to give five places. He did not hide in the coal bin, in the toilet water tank, in a fur-lined glove, in the clothes chute, or over the door jam. Oh, I forgot about the door jam but he definitely didn't hide it in the toilet tank because he had a moment with Anne when they were at the movies. It was a Wallace Beery movie. He hid the booze in the tank and Dr. Bob looked over at Anne and she looked at him, <laughs> but he never hid it there because it seemed too obvious. That's it. He found out later that she checked it all the time. <laughs> <laughs> she would frisk him when they came in from town. So that's why he was putting it out on the porch. Yes, the bootleggers either put under the bushes in a glove or to toss it up on the airing porch. <laughs> or the laundry chute. I got to put my hand in the laundry chute and there's a little spot there between like some flashing and you could slip a bottle in there. Absolutely. Yeah. And they found bottles every time that we have renovated the house. I've talked to guys that were in on the original renovations and they talked about some of the places where they found bottles. Oh, wow. Incredible. <laughs> That's really cool. That's it. Tom, thanks for joining us today. Absolutely, Tom. Thank you so much. It's been a real joy chatting with you. Well, thank you. Tony and Joe, neighbors, both get DUIs around the same time and are court-ordered to AA meetings. Joe stops going as soon as he gets his last paper signed, but Tony admits defeat and sticks around. A few months later, they run into each other in a store. After some small talk, Joe asks, Where are you headed? To an AA meeting. Really? How long do you have to go for? Probably for the rest of my life. My God, what judge did you have? <laughs> it's really not that funny. Thanks for joining us. The AA Grapevine Half Hour Variety Hour is posted every Monday and is produced by AA Grapevine, Inc. We don't speak for AA as a whole. We share the experience, strength, and hope of members to help others recover from alcoholism. Podcast info, including how to call in, is at aagrapevine.org slash podcast. 
Find AA Grapevine on Instagram and the AA Grapevine channel on YouTube. All things Grapevine are available at aagrapevine.org. If you want to know more about AA, Google Alcoholics Anonymous and your city or visit aa.org. Thank you.